Our gospel today is continuing as we work our way through the Gospel of St. John. It's printed in your bulletin insert, should you like to follow along. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery and wonder and presence, as we listen to these ancient and sometimes confusing words, we pray that your spirit would reveal them in a way that we might get and grasp and live into. And I would pray that my words might be a window with the blinds open and clear. We make this prayer in the power of your many names. Amen. Jesus said to them, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living one sent me, and I live because of the living one, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if it were for you to see the Son of Humanity ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that was to betray him. And for this reason, I have told you that no one will come to me unless it's granted by God. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you wish also to go away? Simon Peter answered, Rabbi, to whom can we go? You have words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. May God speak to us through these confounding and confusing words. I have a question for you. If you weren't a Christian, would you be? If you weren't a Christian, would you be? In a recent conversation with a colleague who is contemplating retiring from active ministry, she asked me this question. If I weren't a Christian, would I be? If I had the chance to do this all over again, that is, my career as a minister, would I? My answer to both is yes. Would I like a career that was more lucrative and made more money? Who wouldn't? But would, I, but would I exchange what I've been doing for the past 45 years? In 1973, I was in college and I was on staff of the First United Methodist Church in Tacoma, Washington as a youth minister. That's when I started all this. If I weren't a Christian, would I be? Yes. For even if everything that I have believed and preached and taught and written about is an illusion, pure fiction, 
I still want, wouldn't want to do anything else for my life has been significantly altered and blessed by the teachings of the Christ and the community who gathers in his name. This is what I believe is going on in the gospel this morning. Jesus asks, do you wish to go away? He had just finished that very odd and uncomfortable teaching about he being the bread of life. And Peter's response, in my opinion, says it all. Rabbi, to whom can we go? As we heard in Psalm 84, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, for the Holy One is sun and shield. The Holy One is all, is what life is all about. You see, this faith thing is like being a doorkeeper in the house of God. And what this means to me is that even if all of this isn't true, and I end up at the end of the life and find out it's a big scam, <laughs> my life has been better by being a doorkeeper in the house of God, meaning abiding in God's presence, at least this God that I believe to be true. For my perspective is broader and more inclusive and more welcoming because I believe the teachings about loving my neighbor as I love myself. I believe about seeking justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with this mystery that we call God. For the holy, that is God, is both sun and shield, beginning and in the all of creation. And I believe this to be true. This belief has afforded me a joy and fulfillment beyond, beyond my wildest imaginings. So with Peter, I ask, where else would I go? Where else would I find this foundation of my life? Does this mean I don't doubt? Hardly. Does this mean I don't have questions for God? Absolutely not. For the longer I have lived, so too is the longer of my list. Some trite, like why does hair grow where it's not supposed to and doesn't grow where it's supposed to. And then more important ones, like why is there suffering and evil and discord and racism in our world? This text from John 6 is particularly difficult to wrap our heads around. So some context and backstory is essential. Otherwise, if you were simply to read this passage as we did, lifting it from the narrative of John's Gospel, how could you not think that Jesus was not a crazy person, or at least half-baked? Because earlier in the chapter, a passage that no one likes to read who's in a position like me, Jesus said, unless you eat my blood, eat my body, and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. Really? Ick. Um, is it any wonder that those who aren't Christians and those who are, when they read this, they think, what the fruit is all this about? What's it all about? It's about presence. It's about presence. When Jesus said these words about his body, it was in response to the grumbling of those who followed him 
wanting bread from heaven like the manna from heaven the Israelites received when they were in exile in Egypt. Jesus is reinterpreting what happened to the Israelites in the wilderness, getting this bread from heaven, to how we receive heaven's bread in our lives. This discourse follows on the feeding of the 5,000. And if you'll remember, the feeding of the 5,000, there were all these people away from their homes. It was evening, they were hungry, and there was no food. And Jesus took what was available, some fish and some bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples, who then gave it to others. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago, this opened others' hearts and hands to share what they too had brought with them, and all had enough. What I believe Jesus wants us to get is that when we're together, when we share what we have, we have not only enough, we have all that we need. It's all about presence. Teresa of Avila, a 14th century Spanish mystic, once said that only by becoming what we eat can we experience life, can we experience the real presence of God within us. And she met this metaphorically, theologically, spiritually, and physically. When Jesus says, I am the living bread that has come down from heaven, and whoever eats of this bread will live forever, he's talking about presence. He's talking about living the wisdom that is within us. And this living wisdom that is within us is living bread. In the very presence of the power of God, it is the very presence of God living within us. And if you will, the heartbeat of God is beating within you. If we're able to understand that that living wisdom is actually beating within us, it changes our lives. The question is, do you believe the wisdom of God is within you? Do you believe that every time we share this meal, we are, in a theological sense, taking simple bread that becomes in us living bread, drinking simple juice that becomes in us living blood? We become the living blood, the living bread of the one that we know to be the Christ, Christ's body. Can I prove this to you? Absolutely not. Because I know it only by faith, nothing else. And faith, as Marcus Bord once wrote, using a metaphor he took from Soren Kierkegaard, is like floating in 70,000 fathoms of water. If you struggle, if you tense up and thrash about, you will eventually sink. But if you relax, and trust, you will float. It's all about presence. So as you come again to this table this morning, are you coming with questions and doubts that you need proved? Or are you coming with an openness that you might receive something beyond your wildest imaginings? 
The latter is possible. The former is not. One thing I know by faith and practice is that something happens here when we receive bread and cup. They are passageways to a reality beyond this plane. Mystery, yes. These simple elements, cup and bread, are thresholds to abiding in God, whose very mystery abides in you. It's all about presence, my friends. And I want to end with this reflection, written some years ago now by our own Susan Baker Lana, slightly tweaked. The presence of God is within me, defining who I am, beloved, made in the holy image. The presence of God is within me, enabling me to grow, to open myself to the world, to others. The presence of God is within me, teaching me how to live in gentleness, simplicity, quietness. The presence of God is within me, stretching my heart in love, widening the scope of my world. The presence of God is within me, longing to be acted out, made visible in my daily life. The presence of God is within me, illuminating the way as I live into my own wholeness. The presence of God is within me, creating a place in my heart where I and others can rest. The presence of God is within me, allowing me to grow and change, drawing me to new ways of loving and living. The presence of God is within me, and I rejoice. May this be true for each of us.